Good morning. It is good to see you today. I always love this Sunday, the first Sunday of the decorations for Christmas, and want to thank all the ladies and their husbands who um, faithfully climbed up the ladders and did what they told them to do. And so let's show them our appreciation. We are glad that you're here and want to welcome you. If you'll look in your worship guide, there are a couple of announcements. Um, in, in our state, if you use a red piece of paper, you'll offend somebody. If you use white paper with blue ink, you'll offend somebody. So you just pick neon green. And um, you can't miss this. This is the December schedule, all the special events that are coming up, the Christmas breakfast and everything else. I'll just remind you with the Christmas breakfast, that's the 10th of the December. We'll have worship, then go over there and eat breakfast. And then the um, contemporary service will have worship here as well. So we'll just have a Sunday school, Sarah Sunday school, we'll have a time of fellowship and eating. So we hope that you can make plans to be a part of that. Um, ladies, it's the last day to buy tickets for the women's dinner. Just remind you, all proceeds of that go to the Lottie Moon Christmas um, offering. So, um, so nothing is profited by the church for that. It's just going to them. And our goal for Lottie Moon is 105000 I'll just remind you. Every single penny of that goes to missions. And so let's make sure we give to the Lottie Christmas offering this year. Were you ready to worship today? You should have been welcomed by now, and so we do welcome you. But we want to um, start with a video of our preschool choir next Sunday night. They'll be performing or be leading us in worship as we um, celebrate the Christmas time and their Christmas program. But let's watch a video real quick. week and you can't get them all here you just video them while you got them so but we want to just remind you next next Sunday night will be that time where they'll be leading us along with our children's choir so please um, make plans to be a part of that our call to worship is right out of the book of Revelation would you read it out loud with me after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I'll just remind you that this morning as we worship, we're standing before the Lamb. Let's worship Him as He deserves to be worshiped. Amen. I'm so happy that Advent season begins, and the Savage is going to come with our Advent reading today. Good morning. Good morning. The word Advent 
means coming or arrival. The focus of the Advent season is the preparation to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We can also anticipate the return of Christ, his second coming. Advent is far more than marking a 2,000-year-old event in history. It is celebrating a truth about God, which is the revelation of God in Christ so that all of creation might be reconciled to him. Advent also represents the spiritual journey of each individual, of the congregation of this church, as we agree that Christ has come, that he is present in our world today, and that he will come again. Lighting a candle is a, is a simple yet profound act. It is a testimony to the power of light over darkness. Even the light of one candle can reveal our faces if we stand near it. As we light the candle, we begin our journey to Christmas, a day of joy and celebration. The first candle of the Advent wreath is called the prophecy candle. It is open to period that anticipates Christmas and remembering those who first spoke the promise of the coming Christ child. The purple candle represents hope in the coming Messiah. Our scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah and Micah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, and of the peace there will be no end, and the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. But to you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, on this first Sunday of Advent, we begin a spiritual journey as we joyously anticipate Christmas Day, a reminder of the birth of our Savior. As we come to this place of worship, we know that we are in your presence. Give us your peace that through you all may know the peace that Christ brings. In his name we pray. Amen.
shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord. In your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. May God have glory in the reading of his word. Let's sing my tribute.
may be seated. This morning we're going to sing an anthem entitled This Blood. We've invited Teresa Carden to come and sing the solo part this morning. My brother walked into my office uh, two or three years ago and said, I have this beautiful anthem that I'd like, to, like you to hear. Just like now, uh, both of us were crying within just a few minutes as we hear this song. But I, pro I hope that you will worship with Teresa and the choir this morning as we sing This Blood.
Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you for the blood that Jesus shed. Even as we begin an Advent season, it's good for us to stop and remember why he came. So thank you. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for forgiveness and for redemption. Thank you for transferring us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son. 
we give you praise and we give you glory. And Lord, in this season, as we've come through Thanksgiving, and I pray that we will not forget to be thankful. There's much to be thankful for, and we give you glory and praise. But I'm just reminded, Lord, as we come through this holiday and face a new one, that this is a, a bundle of emotions for many. And I just pray for your comfort and your peace upon them this next few weeks. And, and God, we praise you and thank you for the hope we have of the resurrection. We give you glory and we give you honor and we thank you that you love us. Father, we lift up those in our church who are hurting. We pray, especially for little Samuel Tompkins and Lord, with the Children's Hospital now, I pray for Brett and Renee as, as they sit with him. And I just ask God for your healing on his little body. He has been through so much in these years. We just pray that you would clear him up. Thank you for the good reports they're getting today. And we just ask that you would continue to heal him and get him home soon. You know the other needs we have. We lift them to you. We pray for our nation. We pray, Lord, for what is happening in Israel and with the Palestinians. We pray for Russia and Ukraine and all that is going on there. We just ask, Lord, that your spirit would move, especially among your children, and that you would protect them and watch over them, and that through even this, your gospel would spread and people would come to know you. Give our leaders wisdom, we ask. And help us as we come to your word. Help us to understand it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14 is our text today. We're coming to the end of Paul's first prayer here, um, which began in verse 3. If you're able, I invite you to stand and honor the reading and the preaching of God's word. If you'll just look back in a moment, just for a second, in verse 10, he talks about walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And he begins to tell us how to do that. And we saw three of those last week, and we come to the fourth one today in verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You can be seated. As you look in this text, you'll, you'll note that Paul opens his prayer in verse 3 with, we always thank God. And now he comes to the end of this, and he says, giving thanks to the Father. Paul's wrapping up the prayer, and, and, and he's, he's moving us to some deep water as we'll begin next week, looking at who Christ is. But he says, we always thank God, and, and, and we give thanks to the Father. And it's interesting, as, as I said before I read it, that, that Paul tells us four ways to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. How do we live our lives fully pleasing to Him? Well, he says that we do it, four participles he gives us here, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, 
And now giving thanks to the Father. Now, I don't want to burden you down with grammar, but, but, but I want you to notice something because, because grammar is important. And especially as you study the Scripture, you'll notice that each of the first three are followed with prepositional phrases. Bearing fruit in every good work. Increasing in the knowledge, in the knowledge of God. And with all power. It would seem that the little words at the end of verse 11, with joy, might be better grouped with verse 12, giving thanks to the Father with joy. Giving thanks to the Father with joy. Give thanks with joy. What a great reminder at the tail end of Thanksgiving. Give thanks with joy. We're to always be get to be giving thanks to the Father with joy. Why? Why? What has the Father done to, to lead us, to draw us to, to give thanks? And not just give thanks, but to give thanks with joy. That's, that's what we want to see this morning. So Paul, Paul follows four participles there with four more things that should make us thankful. Here are four things that, that should cause us to be thankful with joy when we think about what God has done. And the first thing is simply this. He has made us fit. He has made us fit. Look at verse 12. Who has qualified you. The Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Give thanks with joy because he has qualified you. There's only one other time that this word is used by Paul. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 6 where he says, Who has made us sufficient he has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. And so when you think about qualified Jew in our text and sufficient, made us sufficient in Corinthians, the word has the idea of making sufficient, the idea of, of empowering us, even of authorizing us. It, it's the point that I just made. He's made us fit. God has made us fit to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. God has made us fit. God has qualified us. Our portion in Christ is to be with God's people. That's waiting for us. This week is... Um, it's been one of those weeks that as a pastor, I, I've been overwhelmed with the people we've lost. <laughs> Had a plumbing problem, Betty, the other day, and I said, I picked up my phone to call Bill Gossett. He's in heaven. We're sitting in a staff meeting the other day, and we're planning out the 
Christmas Eve service. And I said, well, Ronnie, and I was just about to say, you'll get ready to sing Oh Holy Night. It just dawned on me. Our, our beloved ones, our, the saints, they're, they're in light. Our portion is one day here on earth to be with God's people as we worship, but, but one day to be with God's people as we just quoted in Revelation, to, to be before the Lamb, to, to worship Him in light, that, that, that the saints in light, He's qualified you. He's made you sufficient to, to share in the saints in light. I, it just seems sense to me that, that He's saying that, 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 that we'll be with the saints who have passed on already who are in light. We'll be with the saints in light. We'll be with the saints in glory. It's all the way back to the beginning of this, the hope laid up for us in heaven. It's Christ, and we'll be with him. Just as the tribes of Israel conquered the promised land and received their portion of that land, he has made us fit to share in the inheritance of being sons and daughters of God the Father. Amen. He's made us fit. Secondly, he said, he's rescued us. He's rescued us. Look at verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. God has delivered us God has rescued us. He has rescued us from the tyranny of the evil one. Folks, that's enough to shout over. When we think about the song the choir sang and the blood that Jesus and what he has shed, he has delivered us from a domain of darkness. He, he has delivered us from the tyranny of the evil one. He, he's rescued us from from the domain of darkness. What is the domain of darkness? What is it? It's, I was reading and listening to different people, and, and one of them said, go back to Acts 26, 18. Paul is before King Agrippa. He's sharing his testimony. He's sharing what God has said to him. So he's quoting God, the words that God spoke to him. And he says this. He says, you, I'm sending you Paul, to, to open their eyes, the Gentiles, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. Now, what's darkness? The darkness is from the power of Satan to God. The turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. And so, darkness is the power of Satan. Light is God, that we may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me, which is God talking, so sanctified by faith in God. So God tells Paul in, in his testimony, and Paul tells King Agrippa, and he tells us that, that what we're rescued from is the domain of darkness, and, and that means that we're rescued from the power of Satan. Paul is talking to the Colossians, and he's telling them about what God has called him to do as an apostle to the Gentiles. And that includes bringing them to see that they're in darkness. And by showing them the light. And that when we're in darkness, 
We're in the power of Satan. We're born in darkness. We must be brought into light. So to be rescued is to be rescued from the power of Satan. He has made us fit. He has rescued us. Thirdly, he has transferred us. He's transferred us. Not only does the Father rescue us from the domain of darkness. I love this verse. He he transfers us to the image or to the kingdom of his beloved son. I'll just stop real quick and tell you. This is what I pray over my grandchildren. This is what I pray for my daughters. This is what I pray for those that I know are struggling or maybe I know are lost or maybe have once professed but are no longer walking where they're supposed to be. I pray, God, would you transfer them from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your son? That's God's will. It's God's will for us. And so when I stop and I pray this, I'm praying his word. God, would you transfer them to the kingdom of your beloved son? So, so what Paul's saying is that God takes us, he rescues us from the tyrannical rule of the evil one, and he places us under the loving care and loving rule of his son. He takes us from the tyrannical rule of the evil one and puts us under the loving rule of his son, the kingdom of his beloved son. His beloved son, ESV says it. I think it was Piper who said it might be better to say the son of his love. He's transferred us to the son of his love. Now, what does that mean? I want you to notice something when you look at that. Look at how it's written. Even in the English, he has delivered us. It's already been done. If you're born again, he has delivered you. It's already been done. It's not that he will only one day rescue you or one day transfer you. He's already done it. He's already delivered you. He's, he's already transferred you. Look real quick at, at Colossians chapter 2. Look at verses 11 and 12. In him you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been, notice this, having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. You've already been raised with him. You were buried with him and you were raised with him. Look at chapter 3, verse 3. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he says that, that we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Theologians speak of positional blessing and, and practical blessing. There's a positional thing that's already happened. You've, if you're saved, you've already been seated with God. You, you, you've already died with him, and you've already risen with him. He's, he, you're, you're there. Your name's in his book. You're already there. It's, it's, it's a positional blessing that is yours, already seated with Christ and already given every heaven blessing. 
But he also says, it's a practical thing. In our day-to-day life, we've been rescued. I know I say this over and over again, and and, and I know, like you, I I fall, but, but we don't have to sin. We don't have to fall to the evil one. The Holy Spirit is in us. If we were to walk in the Spirit every moment of our life, we could walk in victory. Yes, I know, we, we fall, we step out. We step out of the Spirit and back into the flesh. And it should grieve us when we do. But we've been delivered. We've been delivered from the domain of darkness, from the power of Satan. We, we're, we're already seated in the presence of God. We're now in his kingdom, the kingdom of his son, the son he loves. That's a reality for us now. It's a reality for us in in heaven. We're seated. Kingdom is, it it, it can mean a lot of things, but but I think here it means the rule. The rule of God. You're, you're transferred into the rule of his beloved son. We were, we were under the domain of darkness, but now we're under the kingdom of his beloved son. We were in darkness, but now we're in light. Kingdom will one day be a place. New heaven and a new earth. New Jerusalem coming down. One day be a place, but today it's the rule. It's the rule of Christ as he lives it through us and, and continues to expand. He says the kingdom of God's advancing. We take it by force, a salvation. We're under his rule. We're under his authority. The kingdom of his beloved son. Why, why the beloved son? People point to all different things, but I, I just kept coming back to two verses. Two verses that the Father spoke while Jesus was on the earth. Two times that he spoke out loud uh, that he heard and that the others heard. At his baptism, what did the Father say? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then at the transfiguration, This is my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. (laughs) It's like he's saying to Peter, Peter, listen to him. Quit talking, Peter, listen to him. This is my beloved son. Two times the father speaks of the son where we can hear it in in the gospels. And, And Paul's affirming what the gospels tell us over and over again, that the father loves the son And he's given all things into his hand, including the kingdom. But there's something else here that's even, um, it's it's just beyond me to think about it. John 17, 26, Jesus is praying the the real Lord's prayer in the upper room. He's, He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for the disciples to come. He's praying that we will see his glory. And he says, verse 26, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. That the love that we've shared, so the Father who loved the Son gave him the kingdom, and the Father who loved the Son 
now takes us and puts the bride into his kingdom as a gift to the son. The father loves the son, and the father loves us. He so loved us that he gave his life. He's transferred us. So to be in the kingdom of Jesus is to be under his rule and not under the rule of the evil one, to be under the rule of the omnipotent one. We've already studied the power of God here. To be under the rule of the one who gave his life for us is to be under the, the one who raises us up and loves us with the love of the Father. There's reason to rejoice, church, with great joy. Amen? The Father qualified us. He's made us fit. He's rescued us. He's, he's delivered us from the domain of darkness. He transfers us to the Son's rule. And then He's redeemed us. He has redeemed us. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. How does the Father make us fit? How does the Father deliver us? How does the Father transfer us from one kingdom into the next? He redeems us. He forgives us. To redeem us is to, to buy us back, to be delivered by payment, to be delivered by, by even, careful, but the word ransom. He, he's ransomed us. He, it's to be free from bondage. It, it, it's, it's an emancipation of sorts. He's, he's, he's set us free. How does the Father do it? Now, in our culture, forgiveness is just assumed. But we have to remember that for someone to be redeemed and for someone to be forgiven, a price has to be paid. I'll never forget hearing Tim Keller talk about this. And he said, he said, if you were to come in, let me just personalize it, but it's from Keller. He says, if you were to come into my house, and you were to break a lamp. I, I saw it. It was an accident. You didn't mean to do it, but you broke the lamp. And, and, and you felt awful about breaking the lamp. And you said, oh, please, please, please forgive me. Let me, it was an accident. Let, let me pay for it. And I looked at you and I said, no, don't worry about it. I know that it was an accident. Don't worry. It, it's fine. It, it's, it, it's okay. We're, we're good. It's all right. I might, might say to you, you don't have to pay for what you broke. But the truth is, if I don't take the cost from you, I absorb the cost myself. Someone's got to pay for the broken lamp. It's either you who broke it or me who bought it and has to buy another one. Someone has to pay for the broken lamp. Either way, what was broke must be replaced. God doesn't just sweep sin under the rug. Someone must pay. And the gospel says to us that you can pay for it. And you'll pay eternally. You'll pay for your sin in a sinner's hell forever. Or He'll pay for it. He'll assume the cost. He'll shed the blood. He'll forgive your sin. 
He'll make you clean. But either way, somebody's paying for it. You are God. How does God redeem? How does God forgive? It's helpful to us to to be familiar with what he's going to say. Turn over to Colossians 2, verses 13 through 15. We saw part of this already. But look what he says in verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses, same thing he says in Ephesians 2, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision in your flesh, God made alive together with him. How? Having forgiven us all our trespasses. How? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. How? This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. How does God forgive? He nails our sin to the cross. He pays the price through his son. When Jesus died, and when Jesus rose again, what Jesus did on the cross was, someone said it this way, he disarmed the evil one of his only tool. The only tool the devil has against us now has been taken away. Accusation. He's the accuser of the brother. He's the accuser of the sister. But he can't accuse you of what Jesus has already paid. No double jeopardy with God. What's been paid for, he will not expect you to pay again. Jesus has paid the price. He's nailed it to the cross. The enemy can no longer accuse us because I think greatest book in the Bible, greatest chapter in the greatest book, Romans 8, 1, begins with these words. There is therefore now what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. What did he do? He sent his son to die in our place. We're delivered through the cross by the redemption of God and by the forgiveness that's provided through the cross. If you are reading in the King James Version, you'll notice that um, our text is missing some words that may be in yours. And, and the reason is, is that there's a very similar verse to, to our text in, in Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1 in the Greek text and in the English text, they add two words that, that, that are then added to Colossians. But these words are not in Colossians. They're in Ephesians. But understand this. It, it does help us understand. Look at Colossians 1, 7. In him we have redemption. Here it is. Through his blood. Through his blood. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. 
It's through his blood that we're redeemed. It's through his blood that we're forgiven. Now, look at it this way. What's the what? The what of this is that we're made fit, that we're, made re- that we're rescued, that we're transferred, that we're redeemed. That's the what. What's the how? The how is that the beloved son and his cross have redeemed us through his blood. But what about the who? The who. Paul says he's qualified you. He's delivered us. He's transferred us. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Here's the question we have to ask. How do we enter the you and the us? How do we enter the we? How does this become ours? Again, fast forward. Go back to chapter 2, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him, notice these two words, through faith. You were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. There is a work that Paul has been talking about that only God can do. Only God can make us fit. Parents, you can't make your children fit. You can't beat it into them. You can't make them fit. You can present it to them. You can can lead it to them. But you can't make them fit. Only God. Only God can rescue. Only God can transfer us. We cannot transfer ourselves. Only God can redeem us. And only God can forgive us. There's a work that only God can do. But there is a work for every one of us that we must do through the power of his spirit. But we must place faith in him. We must believe in what he's done and trust in him and trust in what he has done and receive it as a work done for us. No person is saved apart from the word of God. No person is saved apart from the work of God. Not one person is saved apart from that, but not one person will be saved apart from placing faith in what God did. No one gets it. This, I heard someone say the other day, God has no grandchildren. Just children. Just children. We must place faith in what he did on the cross. What a reason to joyfully give thanks. But I would remind you today, if you haven't placed faith in what Jesus did, if if you haven't been born again, you're still under the rule of the evil one. We still have to battle them every day as believers with the power of the Spirit. But those who are outside of the Spirit are still under the power of Him. And it's not too late to trust. Every person we meet this week 
will either be in light or in darkness. Our job is to introduce them to a Savior who can rescue them. Amen? Our job is to show them how we found the light. Let's remember to be thankful. But not just to give thanks, but to give thanks with joy. Amen? Let me ask you to bow your heads. I wonder today if you've been made fit. Have you been rescued? Have you been redeemed? Transferred and forgiven? I've spoken with many of you personally, and I know that you have. also have grieved with many of you over your children and grandchildren. I want to encourage you to as we come to a close of a year to to be reminded of what I told you not long ago. God loves your children more than you do. Give him give him the trust of prayer. Pray these verses over them. Watch God move. Watch God move in their life. Don't neglect to share it in love. Don't neglect to share it and to confront. And maybe there are those at work this week and those at school and those that you are with on a regular basis who don't know Christ. I'll just remind you they need to be rescued. And the reason lost people act lost is because they're lost. We can't expect lost people to act saved without the power of the Spirit. So please, share the message. And if you haven't received it, receive it today. Father, I come before you and ask that you would speak to us now. Lord, if there's someone here today who's still in the domain of darkness, I pray that you would do what only you can do, that you would transfer them into the kingdom of your beloved son. I pray, Father, that you would lead them, and even as we see in the Bible that you gave the gift of repentance and the gift of faith, we We pray that you would move in our hearts that we might be convicted and call out to you and be saved. And then, Lord, we pray for our children and our grandchildren, even great-grandchildren, that they they would be saved, God. We, We remember your promises of generations of those who follow you. And we want to see it true in our life. that our children's children's children and so on, if you should tarry, would follow after you and have a heart for you. God, give us a heart for this. Give us a love for our brothers and sisters and a love for our neighbors and a love for those that we work with and those who 
who drive us crazy. Give us a love that shares this message. We pray in Jesus' name. Tim and I will be here. If if you need to make a public decision, we'd like to meet you and help you with that. Let's stand together and sing. You do what God's called you to do today. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you had a great, great week. If you're like me, you're looking forward to some taillights today, and that'll be a great thing as some are going home and, uh, and get back to a little quiet, but we have enjoyed them while they're there. Amen? Amen. Glad you're here. Um, we want to close, and Ronnie, can we sing the doxology? And Tim, if you'll go to this door, I'm going to go to the foyer. Let's close with this, and let's make sure that we remember all that's going on in the next couple of weeks and take part in each of those. Thank you for being here. Mm-hmm.